All right, saints of God, today, amen, we're going to continue in our series of lessons out of the series on leadership, the series on leadership. And today I want to again turn your attention to the book of Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary Tried and true With thanksgiving I'll be a living chapter 1. And we will find our verse of emphasis starting at verse 4. The book of Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 4 reads as follows. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept. And mourned for many days, I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I'm going to stop right there, amen. And I'm going to use as a thought, a godly leader is a praying leader, amen. A godly leader is a praying leader. As we have expounded on in this series thus far, is that leaders are not just preachers, pastors, and deacons. They're not just apostles and prophets. But leaders in God's church is every baptized, born again believer. We established this argument by looking at the life of Nehemiah. We found out that Nehemiah wasn't a priest. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't an apostle. He wasn't any particular level of religious leadership within the Israeli nation. But he was a believer. He was one who trusted and depended on Yahweh. Matter of fact, Nehemiah at this point wasn't even in Israel. He wasn't even in Judah. He was in Persia. His role
Shaul, as we found out, was cupbearer to the king of Persia. But we realized that his job was a 24-7 job. So he had all the excuse in the world to say, I'm too busy to worry about the things of Judea. I'm too busy to worry about it. And as a matter of fact, Judah is 800 miles down the road. So today we realize that our business does not compare to his business, but yet he still found time to serve the Lord. He still found it in his heart a place for the things of God. And this Nehemiah establishes a, a precedent for every baptized born again believer. Amen. That every one of us has a responsibility to have a heart for the things of God. Amen? amen. So we realize that by this time, amen, that the, the northern kingdom had been decimated, amen, and now the southern kingdom had been taken away in exile to Babylon. Not only that, the Babylonian armies had destroyed the wall and they had, they had burned the buildings and the temple was in ruins. I mean, there was major issues that were going on. But there were leaders within the Israeli nation that were working toward bringing back and restoring Israel, restoring Judah. One of the things we find out that even after God has to chastise his people. God has to punish them. God still has a future for them. He still has a remnant that has not bowed a knee to Baal. Well. And in a remnant, in a small portion of his people, he can do great things. Right. As we study this this lesson and we study this life, this narrative of Nehemiah, we find out that God doesn't need a whole lot of folks to do some great things. And I once again will contend with you all that New Zion at the size it is right now can turn a city upside down. But you got to trust God and you got to be willing to sacrifice for the Lord. The Lord has doors open for us that no man can close. Amen. But you got to trust the Lord. I'm reminded of that church at Philadelphia where God said, you're small, but you're going to do great things. Amen. Because I am with you. See, that's the key, y'all, that is God with you. Because if God is with you, he's more than a world against you, Sister Williams. It doesn't matter what come what may, God is on your side. And God can handle anything. And I believe Nehemiah understood this. Amen. Ne- Nehemiah had a heart for God. Mm. And he had a compassion for his people. Well. We must have a passion for God. We must have a heart for God. Yeah. Because out of that passion for God, out of that heart for God, we have compassion for people. Because in having a heart for God, you see others as God sees others. Amen. Amen. So a godly leader is also a praying leader. Nehemiah exemplifies this in that he is a leader without a title. Doesn't need to have a title in order to lead. 
because your title is intrinsic in your new nature, in your new position in Christ. Peter lets us know that we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We are royalty by the fact we're in Christ and Christ is the king. When we realize where we stand and whom we are in relationship to the Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, it will establish a new talk and a new walk. You won't talk defeated. You won't walk defeated. But you will talk victoriously and walk in triumph. Because God has given us everything we need to be more than conquerors in him who loved us. But we've got to stop long enough in our lives to grapple with that reality. Amen. Because the world, if you listen too much to it, will tell you that the church is irrelevant. That the church is dying out and it's done. But Jesus himself says, on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So who do you believe? Do you believe the world or do you believe the Christ? I don't know about you, but I'm going to put mine on the Christ. So though my eyes may see one thing, my faith says another. And that's all that counts. Because Christ is doing what he said he would do. He is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Amen? So we look at our text. Since we're in the idea of a godly leader being a praying leader, we ought to take just a few moments to kind of look at Nehemiah's prayer. In verse 4, we find that he wept, he had a heart for the people, and he, he God had godly uh, mourning for what had happened at Judah. And it says that he prayed before the God of heaven day and night in fasting as well. For many days he mourned, amen. But what was his prayer? Well, let's look at the text. In verse 5, we find these words. Nehemiah says, and I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, You who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. There is a pattern in prayer. Amen. You don't want to be a a road prayer, but there is a pattern. If you notice that Nehemiah starts out by first reverencing and praising God. He says, Lord God of heaven, (laughs) oh great and awesome God. See, you got to lift God up. You got to give God his props. You got to praise him. You got to pick him up because God is to be magnified. 
He is to be what? Glorified. He said, oh, great and awesome God. First of all, as he is praising God and magnifying God the way he ought to, a realization comes on him of who God is. See, when you start out by praising God, worshiping God, honoring God, lifting God up, exalting him, then your eyes are open to the gracious and great nature of the God that we serve. When you start out with prayer, you start out with praise. See, a lot of times we might miss the praise part and start going to God about our needs. But what we ought to do is first start with praise. Because that gets God to where he's supposed to be in our minds. God hasn't left where he is in reality, but he does in our minds. Are y'all following me? And I say this is a pattern because when the disciples heard Jesus praying in the New Testament, amen, and they said, Master, teach us to pray. The Master said, you ought to pray like this, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That model prayer starts with praise. It exalts God to being in heaven and hallowed, holy is his name. As the angels in heaven are crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. It's a pattern. Prayer starts with praise. Because God needs to be where he needs to be in our minds so that our minds align with the reality of who God is. But when you look at the text, it says, ye who keep your covenant and the mercy with those who love you. Not only is he a great and awesome God, but he's a faithful God. You got to know that God is faithful. As Paul says, when I was faithless, yet he is faithful. You got to know, even in our trials and tribulations, you got to know, even in our persecution, you got to know, even in our frailties and failures, God is faithful. You got to know that God has never moved. He said, I am the Lord and I change not. Therefore, O Jacob, you are not consumed. I'm so glad that the Lord is not fickle. I'm so glad that the Lord is not capricious. But the Lord does not change. What he said he would do, he will do. What he promised, he will fulfill. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. (laughs) That who started a good thing in us will what? Finish it. I'm glad about it. Because those things are not predicated on what I do but it's predicated on what he's doing through me. Amen. And he's doing the same thing through you. But look at the text. Nehemiah realizes that the covenant has a qualification to it. And that covenant has a qualification in that who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you. And observe your commandments. He brings out the nature of God once again. Amen. That the blessing comes to those who love God. 
Those who trust God, the mercy comes on them. Those who observe his commandments. Those who strive to, to be right in the sight of God after realizing that God is working through them. It's those who love him. And you know what? We don't love God unless God first loves us because God is love. Amen. And so this reminds me, amen, as we've been studying the book of Romans as well in Sunday school, amen, that all things work together for the good, for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And that's all things. Watch me now. That's all things. The last time I checked, there's nothing on the other side of all. That's all things, whether or not we understand them or not. It's all things. So whether you're in the valley or on the mountaintop, whether there's raining or the sun is shining, whether it's snowy and cold or whether it's cool breezes of the spring, it worketh together for the good, for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Whether you're being set aside on your jobs, whether you're being mistreated, whether your family issues have gone to an all-time high, it's all working together for those for the good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Because God is one that can always make lemonade out of lemons. Right? He can use them hard times and distraught times of your life to make you better. Amen. Amen. To make you and make you and shape you and mold you and set you on the direction that you need to be on to be about God's business. Because we don't understand what God has for us. We don't know all things, but he does. And so God sets forth circumstances in our life that may be uncomfortable, but they're being used to get us to where he wants us to be. Amen? So we look at our text, and we see that Nehemiah, after he, he exalts God, and after he talks about God as is in his nature, and he says that he keeps his covenant, see, he talks to God in covenant. See, Nehemiah doesn't let the covenant of God get out of his sight. The covenant that he refers to is the covenant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Remember, Nehemiah is an Old Testament saint. Amen. And so he is really focused on that covenant. Because he knows through that covenant he is preserved. He knows because Abraham is to be a father of many nations. Down through Isaac to Jacob is Israel. And Judah is being part of Israel must be preserved for the promise of God to be complete. Because down through the tribe of Judah must come a seed that will be a blessing to all nations. We know him as Jesus Christ. So Nehemiah as an Old Testament saint keeps his eyes on the covenant. And you as New Testament saints need to keep your eyes on the covenant as well. Because our blessing is tied up in the blessing of Abraham too. Amen. The Abraham covenant has gone nowhere. Amen. It is still in full force. We are the results of that blessing. We are the results of the seed that has become a blessing to all nations. All these Gentiles in the room, amen, we are 
Abraham's children. We are children of promise because of the promise that God made in covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So never let the covenant get out of your sight because the devil wants to tell you that you're disconnected. The devil wants to tell you that you are immobilized. The devil wants to tell you that you can't make a difference. But when God is for you, he's more than a world against you. Amen. When we look at the text, he says, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that ye may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now day and night. When you're praying as a godly leader, you got to be persistent in prayer. The whole parable of the persistent widow is behind that same idea. Jesus says in that context, before he gives that parable, he says men ought always to pray. Luke chapter 18. And so persistent prayer was known to the Old Testament saints. He's praying day and night. He's praying because he understands persistence in prayer. See, we need to always be praying. Amen. Amen. We ought not just pray every now and then and pray when we think we ought to, but we ought to be a people of prayer. Just as we are those who have to eat every day and to drink every day, we ought to be those who pray every day. There is enough needs and enough issues in this world, amen, that we will pray a lifetime, amen, because something is always happening. Reverend Stephen, as I was talking today, I mean, this just week, I mean, all kind of mayhem has happened right here in our city. Some of it we don't even know about. Just we know about what's been reported. So men ought always to pray. But godly leaders who want God to do something in them that they cannot do for themselves, want to be change agents in a society, want to shed the light of God into a dark and dismal world, want to let their light so shine among men that they glorify the Father, amen, that they see our good work. They got to be prayers. They got to be consistent prayers. But they got to have a heart for people because Nehemiah mourned for what had happened in Jerusalem. He had mourned for what had happened amongst his people. He didn't go and look at them and say, oh, hmm, well, if they had obeyed God, then everything would have been all right. Too bad, so sad. No, I'm all right because I'm down here with all the Xerxes. I'm down here with the Persian king and I got me a good job. No, he cared about his people 800 miles away. And 800 miles away in his day was much farther than it is in ours because he didn't have the kind of transportation we got to get from place to place. Horses and walking, that's a long journey, y'all. But his mind had a compassion for whom God had compassion. His mind was on those whom God loved. And he was, was willing to take out of his busy schedule to pray every day. So for me, this is a conviction on, I start to say, well, sometimes I get so busy that I forget to pray. What that lets me know, looking at Nehemiah, is I have not made it a priority the way I need to. Because I know I'm not more busy than this man. Amen. And so we must look at this example, this standard as well. To look at our lives and to figure out how we're going to put a priority on prayer day and night. Man, we got issues in our lives, in our families that have not become on this prayer list, y'all. It has not been shared with the pastor to be prayed over. Amen? There are issues going on in our 
lives, amen, nobody else knows about. But God knows. (laughs) And so that's a reason to pray. Amen? So we look at our text and we see that, that he is a prayer day and night and he's praying for the children of Israel, his servants, and he confessed the sins of the children of Israel which we have sinned against you, both my father's house and I have seen. We were talking about it this morning. Reverend Stephen was saying it's not y'all have sinned, but it's all have sinned. Amen. Nehemiah did not sit out 800 miles away and go, tis, 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 oh Judah, you sinners, y'all, y'all just wouldn't do right. And that's what you get. No, he included himself and his ancestors in the scene. And you know what? Whatever that, that, that comes our way as far as punishment or chastisement for our sinful ways, we're all responsible. Amen. We're all part of the sin condition. Amen. So when we go to the Lord to forgive others of their sin, we got to go to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me of mine too. Amen. Lord, forgive my ancestors too, because it started there. There's a vicious cycle that seems to work through that flesh, through our ancestry. But Lord, forgive that as well. Because the Lord says that he will not hear if you got secret sins. So you got to put your stuff, I got to put my stuff on the table as well. Amen. But the good thing is that as 1 John 1 9 says if we confess our sins God is faithful and just to what? Forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Deacon Johnson God wants to have mercy on you. You know some people say it's terrible to be in the hands of an angry God and God would concur with that but God is a God that wants to show mercy even when he was punishing Judah and Israel he said I don't want to have to do this I want to show mercy but because of your disobedience because of your malfeasance because you will not turn back to me I am forced to judge you because I'm a just God remember that God is not just a loving God but he's also a just God And his justice will have to have his way. And the only reason why his justice has not had his way on us is that his justice was poured out on his son. Almost 2,000 years ago at a place called Golgotha's Hill. So we realize that this God, amen, you have to follow his righteousness. You cannot just come to God any old kind of way. Amen. You got to come to God right. You got to come to God, lay out your sins, ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins, and then then make your petition unto God. After praising and lifting him up, realizing that he is holy, holy, holy. He's not just holy, but he's holy and he's more holy. He's so much holy that we can't find the end of it, nor can we find the beginning. He's holy, he's holy, and he's holy. And when you that we serve such a holy God you run to him saying Lord forgive me I am a wretch undone Lord forgive my family forgive my friends forgive my community forgive my ancestry Lord have mercy because we realize there's no reason why he ought
to, but that we cry out for his mercy. And we find because of his good pleasure of wanting to show mercy toward us that he does. In Jesus Christ demonstrating his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. Amen. And so when we look at the text, he confessed his sin. Then verse 7, we have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. Amen. When he asked for forgiveness, he didn't just say, Lord, forgive me. Well, no, but he brought up the painful part of it all. Sister Harding, he went down in there and dealt with what it was that they did when they sinned. They didn't obey God's ordinance. They had idolatry. They had all these issues. And Nehemiah says, here it is, Lord. Not just forgive me, but okay, here's what we did. When you go to God in forgiveness and you got to go down in that closet and start pulling out stuff that you done done and said and thought and bring it to God, it's hard. You can't fool me with that because I done tried it. It's hard to get in there and get in that, those crevices and cracks and say, Lord, here's the junk that's in my closet. Lord, forgive me of this. Forgive me of the kind of thinking I've had. Forgive me of the actions I've done. Forgive me of those things which I should have did and also those things that I did do. And Lord, here it is. But that's what God is looking for. Because God doesn't just want to come in your living room. He wants to go in your bedroom and your closet. Because in order for God to clean you up and clean me up the way we need to be clean, we got to let him in. We can't let him. When I was growing up, amen, the old folks used to uh, <clears throat> have this living room area. And, and they would buy the new couches and the new love seats, amen, and they put the plastic on. Yes. And uh, you better not go in there. You better not. I, hey, your, your bottom end finna be on fire. Amen, but they kept it covered up that when special guests came, amen, not the kids, special adult guests, that they could come and sit in the living room, that there'd be fancy and nice furniture for them to sit on. Amen. Amen. Sometimes I, I've seen it to where some, even when the guests came, they could sit on it, but they had to have the plastic on it then. Amen. I mean, they had this special room that was pristine. Amen. But in those back rooms where the kids were in the plate, oh, you could find some broken beds and you could you find some scratches on the walls, amen. You could find some broken furniture, amen. Jesus is saying, I don't just want to be a special guest, well, but I want to come on in to where that broken furniture is. Yeah. I want to come back there where there's marks on the wall. I want to, where Jimmy and John was back there fighting and he put his fist through the wall. I want to see that too. I, I want to see all of those things that, that, that need to be cleaned up and fixed. See, Jesus was a carpenter, so he comes in with a hammer and some nails. He comes in with some sheetrock. He comes in with some two-by-fours. He comes in to make and remake and mold and to shape, to clean up and do some painting on some wall. He comes in to clean us up, but he can't do nothing if you won't let him in. Well. 
Now this prayer is extensive, amen, and we don't have time to deal with all of this in one setting. We are in a series, but I'm going to stop there because if we can go from here, just what we've dealt with today, I believe God, it can catapult us to the next level, amen, just doing what we've seen thus far. Because these are some difficult things that a human being has to deal with, but that's what God is calling us for, amen. Amen, a godly leader is a praying leader. Every one of you in here today are charged by God to be leaders because you are the royal priesthood. Every baptized, born again believer is part of the priesthood. So the minute that you gave your heart to God, that you professed his name, that you took on his name, you were moved up. You went from rank and file to leadership. You didn't just go to any leadership, but you became a leader of the king. You went into the royal levels. You were into the inner sanctums. That you were devolved special information that the world needs. Amen. And they cannot see unless they see it through you. God could have done it any way he wanted to, but he decided to use earthen vessels to magnify his name. So saints of God, as we leave this place today, as we go into the world, as we interact with our families, remember the mandate, remember the call that we are leaders of God in this world and that we are held to a level of responsibility. Amen. To serve him and to show his goodness to the world. Saints of God, and we must not forget that we are to go with the message. The message of the gospel, that the good news of Jesus Christ, that one Friday evening, he died for the sins of the world. One Friday evening, that my sins and your sins were on his shoulders backbiting and lying, cheating and stealing, fornication and adultery, gossip and all manners of evil, coarse jesting, cussing and fussing, doing for God but doing it in the wrong way, not doing for God. All that was on his shoulders, past, present and future. And Jesus Christ, he paid the ultimate price. That he was nailed to an old rugged cross. And he hung there from the third to the ninth hour. My sins and your sins were upon his shoulders. There was a point where Jesus said, he looked and it was darkness all over the land. He realized that his father had to turn his face because God could not look upon the sin. He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But God could not look upon that sin that had been put on his son. And we find out that after the ninth hour reigned true, that my Jesus and your Jesus, he died 
didn't he die? But that's not the end of the story. They took him down from that old rugged cross and they put him in a borrowed tomb. He was in that tomb all night Friday. He was in that tomb all day Saturday. He was in that tomb all night Saturday night. But it was early before the crickets began to sing that song. It was early before the dew began to fall that my Jesus and your Jesus got up with all power in his hand. All power to raise the sick. All power to bring up the dead. The Bible says that when he rose from the grave, that all power was in his hand. But that's still not the end of the story. After a 40-day layover, my Jesus and your Jesus, he stepped out on a cloud and went back to glory. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and for me. But one of these days, he's coming back for a church without a spot or blemish. One of these days, the dead in Christ shall rise, and they that remain shall be caught up in the air, and we shall be in that great coronation. It'll be howdy, howdy, and never goodbye. Ain't that good news, children? Howdy, howdy, and never goodbye. No more tears, no more pain, no more suffering. It'll all be over. God bless you and God keep you. Amen. The doors of the church are open. Praise the name of the Lord. There just might be somebody here today who doesn't know our Lord and Savior in the pardoning of their sins. Right now is the right time to get to know him. Right now is the time to say, Lord, here I am, a sinner in need of a Savior. Lord, come and live in me, doing me what I cannot do for myself. I've been trying to do things my way, but I realize, Master, that the only way is in you. I can't do it with my family. I can't do it with my friends. I can't do it with my money. I can't do it with my career. But it's through you and you only. Lord, come and live in me. Forgive me of my sins, for they are many. And Lord, I'll serve you until I die. It won't cost you nothing because Jesus has already paid it all. There is room at the cross. Amen. Though millions have come, there's still room for one. There is room at the cross. There is room at the cross for you. There 
for you. There is room at the cross for you. Oh, the millions have come. There is room for saints of God. Praise the name of the Lord. A godly leader is a praying leader. It's my hope and prayer on this week that we can apply the words of Nehemiah and in this passage, this narrative, to our lives. And we can make a difference. We can be different. We can Go to another level, amen, in Christ by implementing these things that we find in this great leader. Not a prophet, not a priest, not an apostle, not a pastor, but a baptized, born-again believer whose name is Nehemiah. Amen? Amen. As we get ready to dismiss, amen, we get ready for our benediction want to say to the New Zion family, thank you so much for last week. Amen. That was a wonderful celebration. I thank you for all your hard work. Amen. Sister Terry and leading it. Amen. And all that come alongside because it was a great day. Thank you for blessing my sister as well. Amen. She loves you guys. She told me, she said, if she lived here, amen, not just because of me, But because of this church, she would join New Zion. Amen. That's a good report. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. We just love you guys so much. Amen. I say it when the big crowd is here on on the end, but I want you to know when it's just us. Amen. That I love you guys. Amen. All right. So if all hearts and minds are clear, let us stand for our benediction. Amen. Oh, yeah. And also, amen. Uh, this week we had two birthday girls, amen. Sister Novella Childress, amen. And little Sister Cassidy, amen. Amen. Birthdays, amen. D. We love you too. Well, God bless your heart, D. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord, amen. Amen. This is, thank y'all so much. And this week is a, is a special week for um, my family as well because. This week is also the birthdays of my dad and my mom. Amen. And my daughter, Olivia. So the 16th, my mom, the 17th, Olivia, and the 20th, my dad. So we look back and cherish the times that in the good good leadership and rearing that came through my parents. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, saints. 
bless your name for all we've heard and seen on today. Lord, seal these words into our hearts, Lord, that we might not sin against thee. Lord, give us a passion for you and a compassion for people. Lord, that we might be the change agents in this society that turn some things around. But most of all, that we are able to witness to those who don't know you in the pardoning of their sins that they may be brought from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Lord, we love you and we lift you up for you're so worthy to be praised. Lord, continue to look over every family that's represented here in this place. Lord, be with them through ups and downs, valley and mountaintops. And in the name of Jesus, Lord, as we prepare to leave this place and go to our prospective homes and other destinations, Lord, we ask that you continue to put your holy heads of protection around us and keep us from danger seen and unseen. We live in a violent and evil world, but we know that you are our shield and our buckler. Lord, be with us and protect us and keep us like only you can. And Master, in the name of Jesus, as we prepare to give in our tithes and our offerings, Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus that you bless it Lord, multiply two, four, ten, one hundredfold. Lord, that it be used for kingdom building. That you get all the praise and all the glory. These things we ask in the blessed name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the whole church saying, Please be seated and obey the ushers.